Dative, Integrative and Preventive Healthcare. The content discussed in this episode is for informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And we're here to discuss lifestyle medicine. So Tasha, I think there are two types of cooks in this world. They're the ones that cook for taste and then they're the ones who cook for survival. What type of cook are you? I'm definitely a cook for taste person because, you know, I live to eat. So got to got to keep it tasty uh, throughout <laughs> the process. But yeah, I mean, like I do keep nourishment in my mind, but definitely I make taste the priority. What about you? In, in my healing journey, I think um, with regards to my hormonal imbalance, I definitely switch into seeing food as medicine. So I was a bit more like you, uh, but now it really, I saw ingredients and the way I cooked in a, in a very particular way. And as I studied Ayurvedic nutrition, I definitely see my herbs as spices and as a health and medical benefit. So like, you know, your ginger, fennel seeds, turmeric, um, all these things that are kind of taking the world by, by surprise and everyone's kind of incorporating this um, in their kitchen. I mean, while I say I, I cook for taste, uh, but in other respects of like life, I would take a lot of action and pre- like preventive measures uh, through using herbs and spices to help with like my own ailments because I have like PCOS. And so then when I have period, my period cramps, they often get really severe. And in the past, I used to just pop painkillers or sleep it out so that, you know, mm-hmm. the pain disappears but uh, I started researching and I was like oh chamomile teas um, and avoiding certain types of foods as well before your period so that you can actually like reduce the inflammation so you know you start to uh, change shift your mindset about how to approach nutrition and also incorporate certain types of teas and spices in your diet but I guess it also begged the question of like I don't know how else to improve that situation because Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much information and I grew up with, you know, Sri Lankan Malaysian food. And, and yeah. so we have those things already in our diet, but I don't know where else to go to like right. fix or fix the gaps. Yeah. And there is also um, a lot of knowledge and wealth with regards to, you know, each region in the world, with regards to medicinal aspects, with regards to herbs. I, I lack the local knowledge about herbs uh, and understanding their benefits. I understand more about, you know, the Eastern side, but what could be really interesting is to have the take on kind of the local uh, and and more herbalistic point of view in this side of the world. Spot on. I think we should have context to the different parts of the world that we, we live in so that we can actually tap into what's local in that area, right? Which is why we wanted to actually bring on someone, a specialist who can actually speak to us and speak to the local area in London. And uh, to give context for that, uh, we have Dominica Collis, who is a master herbalist and a nutritional therapist with us today. And she's also the owner of Surrey Organic, an organic skincare and herbal supplements brand, and is the founder of her naturopathic practice, Wellness Alchemy. And she's based in London in the UK. So welcome, Dominica, to Dot of the Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for, for being here. Could you tell us what's the difference between a spice and a herb? So there is not so much difference between them. However, I think that the major distinction between them is that herbs, generally speaking, are the leafy things like basil, tarragon, thyme, rosemary, coriander, 
Spices, it is what we consider as a seed of the plant that is either whole or ground. So we can have, of course, the we have fennel seeds, coriander seeds, nettle seeds that we can also use, cumin. But also what we call a spice is turmeric. And turmeric is the is the root. There is kind of, you know, right. fluidity, I would say. Yeah, the herb is everything. Uh, that has leaves and the spices in general are the the seeds like the essence really so what would you say is the right way to frame those herbs because the european union has kind of labeled some of those herbs as either toxic and so maybe understanding what is it that it's okay in what dose because i think that that's the real issue is that it's in excess it's toxic is that correct Yeah, it's absolutely correct. So certain herbs that are on the restricted list, so let's focus on the the UK and Europe, like arnica, yellow jasmine, they are very strong analgesic herbs, so they help dealing with pain. And the dosage, allowed dosage, is very, very low, between 20 to 50 mil maximum a week. It is not the information that we can find easily that is mainly available for the herbalists. However, in the specialist shops, we can find things like arnica ointment, ointments that help uh, that help with pain. You said it uh, very correctly that it all comes down to the dose. In any dose, if we overdose something, it will it will not have a beneficial effect. It can ha- harm us. And it is true for every single plant. There are certain plants that I wouldn't be afraid, which are definitely safe for use, even in large quantities. So this will be definitely our culinary herbs, for instance. Could you give us some examples? Definitely the basil, thyme, turmeric, fennel, fenugreek. And the plants that grow outside, they are dandelion, it's safe in any quantity, and it's an amazing plant. We can have everything from the root to the flower. Nettle is very nutritious and high in iron. Cleavers, and also milk thistle. Milk thistle is a lovely herb for the liver, and it's relatively safe. So all these herbs, most of them, some I recognize, and some I'm just thinking... What the hell is this? <laughs> where do I yeah, find them? I, my um, thoughts exactly. <laughs> so where do you usually find them? I'm quite lucky because I live uh, not far from Box Hill in Surrey. So I have that clean area where I can go out and, and forage hair. And when we are foraging, definitely not in the parks in the city. Just find the area outside the city where it's clean, of course, away from any kind of dog walking routes, <laughs> etc. <laughs> but those herbs, that I, they actually grow everywhere. You can find them uh, in the open field in the meadows they literally grow easily everywhere and one of those herbs that i mentioned that not many people know about that always grows uh, next to nettle or with nettle wrapping it around its stems it's cleavers it's a lovely plant that uh, the leaves kind of form a star and what is beautiful here it actually helps the lymph moving in our body it's the lymphatic herb very cleansing herb It's so interesting how you're saying that all these herbs are actually in nature and it's just that we don't pay attention or we don't know. We're just ignorant on it. And this just brings me back to one of an anecdote with my dad where this would make my mom enraged. So my dad is very much into Ayurveda and knowing like these different herbs and their medicinal um, properties. 
And so one day he found this herb in some place somewhere. Don't ask me where he got it. And he came up with these branches and these leaves and just a big bag of them. And my mom was like, where the hell do you find these types of herbs? And why are you giving me so much, you know, a headache? Because she's thinking now I need to like cook it and, and incorporate it in the way we, we eat. But that just goes to show if you open your eyes and you're more aware and knowledgeable about these plants, you don't really need to go to the supermarket and go and buy those things, right? That's why I always encourage my clients, uh, wherever they are, to find a local foraging courses. Because, of course, it's easy to spot nettle, it's easy to spot dandelion, but there are so many different plants growing. You know, yarrow, mugwort, our local equivalent of the white sage, which we are actually taking away from the native tribes of the uh, North America, whereas we have our own plant that has been used for thousands of years uh, for cleansing purposes. So we have everything within our reach, really. And it's just a matter of us learning, maybe not learning, remembering again, because we had that knowledge, but remembering again how to actually use those plants and be fully, fully independent, you know, self-sufficient. It's a valid point, leading us to the next point of like, can we just grow them in our homes and would it be beneficial to actually do that as opposed to like getting them from somewhere else? And actually also identifying those ones that are critical or that are really good regardless, you know, to have it. It's always good to have it in, in your in your back, backyard or on your balcony for London. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So with, with certain plants, it will be difficult to grow them in the pot. Of course, it's relatively easy with the things like rosemary, thyme. We can grow it easily. We can grow certain flowers as well, like marigold, pot marigold. Actually, marigold is herbs that actually heals the digestive tract and our gut lining. And they grow beautifully in the pot and look amazing as well. Certain plants, of course, like nettle, like mugwort, like yarrow, they will be difficult to grow in the pots on the balcony because they have very strong roots. So the pot will not really give them that much space right. unless we have a massive pot. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if we have a garden, then we can easily buy seeds, even off eBay, organic seeds for nettle, for the different herbs. And of course, dandelion. Uh, if we have garden, we will definitely have some dandelions. <laughs> they are everywhere. But if we want to have something specific, like for instance, yarrow, which is amazing for actually for women during menstruation when the bleeding is heavy. So picking up on like the most commonly experienced, I wouldn't say sickness, but maybe you know, when you're somewhat out of balance, usually we always have something with the digestive system. You touch upon marigold. What do you recommend with regards to these herbs? It's great to keep in your in your pot or in your backyard to kind of reduce bloating uh, and improve digestion. Uh, fennel tea uh, from fennel seeds. And this is something that most people will have at home. I often have questions, oh, shall I buy organic spices? Of course, it would be ideal to have everything organic. We have that obstacle that it's not necessarily always can find everything organic or there is a limit in terms of the budget that we have planned for the month. So any fennel will do. It can be even fresh fennel bulb. 
and we are doing the making the infusion, uh, pouring a pot, boiling water over it, or a teaspoon of fennel seeds. You know what? I it just it just struck a chord in my mind and my memory because when I was a kid and I used to get uh, like a tummy ache and I wouldn't know how to explain it, but my aunt would always make me take these fennel seeds with warm water, like just the the raw seeds and just kind of like a teaspoonful, and then swallow that with water. And I, and I never remembered that until you said that just now and it, it always worked so I guess it's one of the home remedies that our ancestors know about <laughs> yeah that's very true and it's so so simple that's literally in terms of bloating if or kind of any digestive discomfort especially after heavy meal or we simply I don't know ate too much uh, and we start feeling sluggish kind of heavy uh, you know too much of that as we would say in Ayurveda kapha energy <laughs> It's kind of grounding us. Fennel will really bring that instant relief. And if I'm not mistaken, in like all the Indian restaurants, I don't know whether it's fennel seeds, but when you leave at the the counter, right, they have like a a bowl of like, is it fennel seeds? Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay, so it all adds up. Yeah. Uh, So fennel, ideal no-brainer for bloating. Uh, If we don't have fennel, but we kind of feel there is that discomfort, we had the meal and we cannot concentrate. Mint, peppermint tea is absolutely wonderful to have right after the meal. And it is something that uh, most people will have at home. Why why is it that peppermint tea is, is good after because I've heard about peppermint, even like the, you know, essential oils, because like they say it's calming. But what is it exactly that is So beneficial? these are the volatile oils that peppermint contains that relax our digestive system. So they, this is oh, okay. mainly down to the volatile oils. Oh, okay, makes sense. One word about the quality of teas. With the herbal tea, uh, one recommendation It's good to have organic wild harvested tea. That's first of all. Secondly, always check the best before date on the packaging because dried herbs, whether in the form of tea or as a powder, they ideally should be consumed within maximum 18 months from the day of harvest. And unfortunately, in most places like supermarkets, uh, the shelf life is horrendous. Sometimes you can see like five years. So the medicinal value of herb drops. Okay, so they put the best before date. So do you know if like it's actually based on the from the day of harvesting the the herbs itself, or is it from the time they manufacture it? So I know that yogi tea, their date is from the day it was harvested. However, I think it's also they stretched it to two years. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, if we still have eighteen months to go, that's absolutely fine to buy. Uh, but if we have only three months to go, uh, then we need to be aware that. Uh, medicinal properties dropped why would it uh, decrease its medicinal uh, property when it's dried i think like more on a conceptual like simplistic way you just like dried up from the moment you dry i think everything drops the 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 medicinal value drops because it's it's not fresh anymore but if it's dried why is it that it's it would lose its uh, punch or i don't know 
It is mainly the oxidation to some degree. So, of course, this is in the packaging. Sometimes it is in, in the plastic bag, so the tea is protected, but there is still, with over a period of time, that value drops. So my recommendation is always to buy it online unless you have places like Mills Yard in your area because they sell uh, herbal tea per weight and they follow all the rules. If not then herbal suppliers who are selling to general public like Indigo Herbs or Baldwin's UK because you can be sure that whatever you purchase, they follow the, the preparation principles. You want to be able to have the best quality so that you can actually get the best value out of it for your body, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of like absorption rate of the herbs, is there like a a way to consume the herbs that gives you the best impact on your body or is it just um, however you use deem fit mm, so there are certain the chemical compounds that are in herbs some of them they got extracted better in water some of them are extracted better in oils, for instance, but the absolutely the best menstruum, the solvent, and at the same time, a way of preserving hair for even up to five or seven years is alcohol. So alcohol is able to extract everything, every single compound from the plant, even from resins. So we often use the frankincense tincture, which is the alcohol extract for um, arthritis. And of course, resin, as you imagine it, it's something, you know, how can you extract something from the resin? But it's only alcohol that can do it. Uh, for most of the plants, water is fine. Uh, so the infusions, um, uh, if we are using roots, for instance, dandelion roots, marshmallow roots, infusion will not work. We need to actually boil it in the pot. And it is because of the content of the polysaccharides that make it difficult. So we actually boil it in order to extract uh, those compounds. Uh, it just makes me think of why we have to boil weed into butter to get the benefits of wheat <laughs> <laughs> and not water but you know that's why I was thinking oh the oil versus water um, versus alcohol mm -hmm. so there are different ways to get the extracted from from the herb and yeah so now I know why weed is butter and not another medium <laughs> <laughs> right i was actually not going in that direction but yeah yeah it's fine um but i was gonna just like think think out loud about whether so you're saying water is the most neutral way of of getting it into your body but probably the easiest as well and easiest yeah, yeah most most accessible right but what if you if you do use a different let's say you use for the roots and you use it in in the water form will there be a negative impact like you can get sick or something like that uh, no, it's just that the infusion, so uh, let's say that we have uh, chopped dandelion roots in the cup and we pour the boiling water on top, even after leaving like 15 minutes, we will only get a small percentage of the, those active compounds extracted. Whereas we, if we put this in the pot and bring it to the boil and then simmer for 15-20 minutes, it doesn't need to be long or anything. Um, we will pretty much extract everything uh, what is in the root. So right. it is that moment of simmering uh, and that constant heat applied to the root mm. that helps it uh, uh, to be extracted. So what is the investment that you know we need to to make to actually 
grow our own herbs and and practice this uh, that's very cheap uh there is no excuses <laughs> so <laughs> seeds uh you can get for even 50 pence one pound a little bag of seeds that will help you to start and then of course uh, the soil I don't really go, uh, I don't really like overcomplicating things. So I simply use the organic compost that you can get in garden centers. And yeah, the pots, plastic pots or some old containers that you have, uh, mm-hmm. just reuse them if they are, you know, in the cupboard or somewhere. So you can easily start growing your herbs for under my goodness, five pounds, depending on, of course, right. uh, how many things you want to grow. But uh, yeah, it's ridiculously cheap. Even yeah. if we start simply with the culinary herbs that we can have on the constantly on the yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Because I was thinking like, say you have all these pots and different herbs, but if you always have this in mind of thinking, okay, I can add a little bit here and there when I'm cooking so that, you know, you you have this. I think it also increases like consciousness in, in your cooking like conscious cooking so when you're going to put that herb you're going to know okay this is going to help enhance you know the digestion of this whole food and this is how like for example south asian food is also kind of made the turmeric is here or the ginger is here to balance off another element that is maybe too heaty and so that that's an interesting way to say like okay have your own pots so that you can then cook more consciously by adding those herbs and understanding their medicinal um effect and um so, so there's, you're telling us there's no excuse. It's not, it's ridiculously cheap. Um, what would be the, like the first baby step for the, uh, a beginner? Mm, definitely invest in, um, first of all, uh, some herbal, uh, at least one herbal uh, reference book that you can use. So uh, that you can learn about different herbs, uh, learn how they look, um, what properties they have. And there is a book uh, which is called the Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine, printed on the beautiful paper. Uh, you have uh, pictures of each plant. I think there are 70 plants uh, that grow actually in the UK. And it's split in the categories. So it explains in detail how the plant looks like. Uh, what are the characteristics uh, to look for uh, so we don't mistake it with something else? Um, all the chemical compounds, uh, the active compounds are listed as well with the explanation of uh, what they do, um, as well as uh, the applications and some recipes. Uh, so I think it's the perfect beginner book uh, to start with. And then just even by, you know, even if it's uh, one chosen herb uh, that you decide to grow, it will be the first step. And depending on, you know, how you go, you can start right. adding more and more. Yeah. And how long do you like, what would be the, the period to which from like the moment you plant the seed to actually being able to use it? So you will be able to see the, the little baby plant within three to four days uh, for most plants. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, so, so you really can no see excuse. the little rosemary. <laughs> uh, of course, it won't be of much use at that stage, but with regular watering, it will grow. So for rosemary, for instance, in order for it to grow fully, it will be probably around two, two and a half months. And remember also that rosemary 
it can grow massive and it also has flowers, lovely purple flowers yeah, uh, during summer. Mm-hmm. So you may need to change the pot for bigger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because remember that plants also, they love space. Right. Uh, so when you reach the moment when the plant is still in that medium size or small size pot and it kind of stopped growing, it is because the pot is not large enough right. and it's uh, good to actually migrate it to something more spacious. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you for that. So to close off our conversation, as, as we always do with our guests, let's go into the rapid fire questions. Uh, what is the first sign that you are when you're out of balance? For me, it's personally brain fog massive brain fog and usually unexplained tiredness. That unexplained tiredness is also what my clients are telling me. And yeah, I think those two. And as a follow-up question, what would be your coping method to, to get back to balance? For me, it's always stepping back because following what happened to me health-wise when I got unwell over 10 years ago, it was due to bad diet and overworking. And for me, it's the sign because I'm very passionate about what I do and I don't really treat it as a job. So it's easy to get over. And for me, it's simply a sign to step back, take a day off, do my practices like journaling, doing the, you know, all sorts of the kind of like the herbal uh, support, uh, having teas, going in nature, no matter what weather, and kind of reconnect to myself. Because for me on that uh, more spiritual level, it's also losing the connection with my inner self. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And the last question, what is one book that has impacted your approach to well-being or wellness? Mm, this is the book actually from uh, where it all started. They published a new edition right now, Back to Eden by Jethro Kloss, which is a classic guide to herbal medicine, home remedies, natural foods that have been first published in 1939. and is a real gem in terms of naturopathic approach that focuses really holistically, not only on the physical body, but also the mental, spiritual, emotional. And that book was really life-changing. So that's a good one. I think uh, we'll give people some place to start with when they want to venture into the herb, herbal world. Well, thank you so much, Dominica, for sharing uh, your insight and wisdom. And, and also, hopefully with this information, we can uh, encourage people to start their own herb gardens. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe and we'll see you next week.